Good morning. Thank you for being here today. If you have a copy of the scriptures, if you want to open up to 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, I got a little frog stuck in my throat this morning, and so you know the rules. If I start coughing and I die or pass out, CPR is not allowed, because if I wake up, I'll clobber you, all right? 1 Kings chapter 3, we're just going to do a, uh, just kind of a one-off message today called Catching God's Attention, Catching God's Attention, and as you're turning to 1 Kings chapter 3, if you want to stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, and while you're standing, as a reminder, if you haven't seen yet, next Sunday, May 1st, uh, we're going to have a gentleman with us at the end of our service that's with the Awana program, and so this fall, we're in preparation phases of potentially launching an Awana program for the kids of our church a midweek thing, and so I encourage you to be here to hear about that, but also after the service, we're going to be doing a brief informational meeting on how you can participate in that, and so uh, just a little side note there. First Kings chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 5. God's Word says this, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask, what should I give you? And Solomon replied, You have shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he walked before you in faithfulness, righteousness, and integrity. You have continued this great and faithful love for him by giving him a son to sit on his throne as it is today. Verse 7, Lord my God, you have now made your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I am just a youth with no experience in leadership. Your servant is among the, your people. You have chosen a people too many to be numbered or accounted. So give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people and to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Verse 10. And now it pleased the Lord that Solomon had requested this. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for the gathering of the local church. And God, for the privilege that we have to be among believers today, studying the word together and praising Jesus together. God, as we walk through this passage of Scripture today, Lord, would you give us open ears to hear from the throne room of heaven? God, we pray for receptive hearts, not just to hear, but to receive, and obedient hands and feet, Lord, to walk out what we see in the Scriptures the rest of our week. Lord, what good is hearing the word if we don't do anything with it? And so, God, would you help us do that very thing today? It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, today's message is going to be very personal for me, and it's really on this one area that many Christians typically struggle. If I were to ask you about this specific area, it's an area that most of us desire to improve in. It's an area that we know that we don't practice enough. It's an area that I don't teach on enough at this church. What is it? It's simply the practice of prayer. And you know, it's really rare, and I've been in ministry now almost 12 years, it's really rare to find a Christian that would say that they are completely content with their prayer life. Because most Christians, if you have a dialogue with them about their prayer life, you're going to hear things like, I, I could pray more, I want to pray more, I wish I prayed more, but then we offer up excuses in regard to that. And I'm talking to myself personally. Often what do we say? I would pray more, but I'm just a little bit too busy. I could pray more, but I get so distracted when I pray. I want to pray more, but life just pulls me in so many different directions. And I've been wrestling with a very specific question the last few weeks. Pastor Joe and I, this week I'm going to teach on prayer. Next week he's going to be teaching on worship before we jump back into the book of Romans for several weeks. And I've been wrestling with this question specifically. Do I personally believe in the power of prayer? 
If you're a note taker, I would write that down. If you have a pen, I would write that in your Bible at 1 Kings chapter 3. Do I believe in the power of prayer? Because there's things that I'm praying in my life personally. There's things that I'm praying for my family, for our church at this moment in time. Do I, do I believe in the power of prayer? And if I don't, why do I pray? But if I really do believe in the power of prayer, now here's the caveat here. If I believe in the power of prayer and I tell you that I do believe that God hears and answers prayer, here's the secondary follow-up to that. Then why don't I pray more consistently? Like if I really believe that God hears my prayers, God answers my prayers, that God responds to the prayers of his people, why don't I pray more consistently? And as I've approached the scriptures these last couple of weeks, I'm reminded, I want to remind us today of Scriptures gives us several reasons to pray. Here's a few important ones. The Bible says in Romans chapter, or I'm sorry, in Psalms, throughout the book of Psalms, that prayer is an act of worship. It's how we commune with God. It's how we have a relationship with Him through the act of prayer. Romans chapter 12 says that prayer is what aligns our hearts and minds with God's mind and heart. If you want to know God's will for your life and what God requires of you, it's going to be happened through the act of prayer. And the reading of scriptures, they're one and the same. We do them together. We see in the life of Jesus, in the life of the early church, that they modeled prayer as part of walking with God. Prayer was never separated from walking with God in the life of Jesus when he was incarnate on the earth or in the life of the early church. We read in Philippians chapter 1, as Paul writes to the church in Philippi, that Paul truly believed that prayer moved the heart of God, that God responded to the prayers of his people, John Wesley put it this way. I love this quote. He said, God does nothing on earth except an answer to prayer. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 6 that prayer is how you and I are equipped to live and walk the daily life as a Christian. That we're engaged in a spiritual battle. The battles that we face each day among culture, among peers, in work. Understand, that's not a physical battle that we're fighting. There are spiritual forces that we cannot see and we need to be armored up through prayer. You see, the scriptures give us so many examples, and I could give several more, but then I started to ask this question to myself. So you're just um, journeying with Aaron through my journal these past couple weeks. I hope that's okay this morning. You see, the first question was, do I believe in the power of prayer? The second question I began asking myself was this, is there a difference between praying prayers and praying prayers that catch God's attention? Is there a difference between praying prayers and praying prayers that catch God's attention? I want to give you an illustration to explain what I mean. Pastor Joe reminds me of this all the time. He says, Aaron, illustrations are okay, but they often fall short with what we're trying to explain from the Scripture. So this may fall a little short, but I think this will help you understand what I mean with that question. Is there a difference between praying prayers and praying prayers that catch God's attention? I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you're at the grocery store. You're at Walmart, right? In Jesus' name, you're at Walmart because we all love to go to Walmart. And in the midst of being in Walmart, you hear all of the voices of the hundreds of people there, all of the noise, and your child, if you don't have one, just pretend with us today, happens to wander away. Now, no matter how loud it may be in that Walmart, the moment your child, no matter how far or where they are, cries out one of two words, mom or dad, you hear it, don't you? No matter how loud it may get, if your child calls for you, you will hear it. Here's the first reminder. God hears the prayers of his kids, John chapter 9. He's praying prayers. God hears those. Yet as a parent, if you're like me, I have two young ladies who tend to talk a lot. Like a, like a lot, all right? Pray for me, please. 
And one of the things that I've noticed recently is if you take our youngest, Colby, on a walk, she's four years old, she likes to go on walks around our neighborhood with our, our dog, that the moment that you exit the garage to the moment that you return to said garage, my dad experienced this week when they were watching our girls, um, she doesn't stop talking. Now, if you know Colby, she's rather shy around church, but for some reason on a walk, she is just constantly just going about everything. If you have children, I'm sure you're familiar with this. And in the midst of our, let's say, 30-minute walk, there comes a point where I'm hearing everything that she says. But do you ever notice that sometimes in those long conversations that they say something that piques your attention? I heard everything she said to me on the entire walk, but there's some things that cause me to kind of turn my head down towards her. Say, what'd you say? What did you just ask? What are you talking about? You see, I want to make the distinction for us this morning that I think that there's a difference biblically between praying, which we're commanded to do according to the, the scriptures, and there's a, a, a kind of prayer that causes God to go, what'd you say? What'd you just ask for? What'd you ask of me? Those are prayers that catch God's attention. Our passage here in 1 Kings chapter 3, we're introduced to a figure in history you might be familiar with, King Solomon. The son of King David, same lineage of his father David, but Solomon, if you read historically through the scriptures, was much different than his father, King David. King David was a warrior. You're familiar with the story of David and Goliath. Solomon, on the other hand, was more of a scholar. While David was the warrior king, and that's how he expanded Israel's influence, Solomon, on the other hand, was more of a diplomatic leader. Solomon preferred this extravagant lifestyle, life of luxury, yet poor decisions. Read the book of Ecclesiastes. It'll be very familiar to you. And even though he was the wisest man to ever live, Solomon made a ton of terrible decisions. King, or a guy named uh, Frederick Buchner said this of him. He said, King Solomon was the wisest fool who ever wore a crown. I mean, that, that sums up Solomon well. And if you were to read in the book of 1 Kings, I encourage you to do this this week, maybe in your own personal Bible time, we see the first few years of Solomon's reign as king of Israel. And then you get to chapter 3, our chapter 4 today, and it starts, chapter 3 is hilarious, it starts actually by talking of this alliance that King uh, Solomon had made with the Pharaoh of Egypt. So what Solomon would do is, rather like David, David would go, we're just going to go fight. Solomon, on the other hand, was diplomatic. And when he was diplomatic, here's what I mean. David was like, grab the swords, grab the armies, we're going to kill them all and take their land. Solomon said, I'm just going to marry the dude's daughter. That was his approach. You can read in 1 Kings chapter 11. <laughs> Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. So 700 wives and then 300 women that basically he just had relationship with. You thought having your mother-in-law over for the weekend was tough. Can you imagine poor Solomon, you know? I mean, this guy just had a, a, a strange, strange life. But now in chapter 3, he forms this alliance with Egypt by marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. Fun little fact, here's some Bible trivia for you if you ever get asked this question. The book Song of Solomon, if you've never read it, read with caution. But the book Song of Solomon was actually, it's believed, written in response to Solomon marrying the Pharaoh's daughter. That, that's where that book, that's, that book of the Bible actually came from. It's him writing about their relationship. And so now this nation that was once Israel's enemy is now their ally. And in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4, Solomon is consecrating the kingdom to God. The Bible says he offers 1,000 burnt offerings to God. Specifically, it says in the high places. I would underline that in your Bible. You say, what is a high place, Aaron? You ready for this? The, the Hebrew of high places, this will blow your mind, actually means 
really high places. So literally what would happen is in pagan times, uh, pagan worshipers would want to be closer to their deity. So what they would do is they would find the highest mountains they could, and they would worship on top of them. That was their attempt to be close to their God. So what Solomon would do is as he would take over these nations and form these alliances, he would take over these high places, and he would use them for worship of the Israelite, the Jewish God. So the Bible says here in 1 Kings 3, he travels to Gibeon, to one of these high places about five miles from Jerusalem. He goes with all of these leaders where David had set up the tabernacle uh, that would later be the temple that Solomon had built. And it says in verse 5 that God appears to Solomon in a dream. And look at this question that God asks him in verse 5. It says, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said these words. Circle this, underline it, highlight it. Ask, what should I give you? God says, Solomon, ask anything of me. What should I give you? I mean, if this is the moment that you want God to be a genie, right? You want God to answer any prayer right here. What would you ask for? Money, car, bigger house, boat, lifetime supply, little Debbie cakes, anybody else? Right? I mean, you, you want God to answer this prayer. You don't want this opportunity to go to waste. But what does Solomon say? Verses 7 through 9, Solomon says, Lord, give me wisdom to rule the nation of Israel. And the Bible says God grants his request and gives him riches beyond imagine. And we could talk today about the need for prayer, right? We should all pray for wisdom, or I'm sorry, the need for wisdom. That's what Solomon asked of God. Read James chapter 1. We're supposed to pray for wisdom. We, we could talk about the importance of wisdom. We all need it. We could talk about the wisdom being a marker of a mature Christian. The more you mature in your walk with Christ, wisdom should be part of who you are. But I don't want to talk about wisdom today. That's what most of the time we come to this passage with. I want to talk about Solomon's prayer. Because Solomon's prayer is two things. It's really unique and it's incredibly familiar. If you look at the structure of Solomon's prayer, you're going to see that it actually has a similar blueprint to the Lord's prayer. You guys remember in uh, Luke chapter 11, when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. You know the blueprint of that prayer is very similar to Solomon's prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3. What about in Jonah chapter 2? When Jonah's trapped in the belly of a giant fish and he prays to God in that moment, he'd reached his darkest point. The blueprint of Jonah's prayer is very similar to Solomon's prayer here. And I want to remind us of the simple truth. You and I have unique access to the God of the universe in prayer, yet in my life, and I have to guess yours too, it's one of the most undervalued resources at my disposal. One of my favorite illustrations, you've heard me use this a hundred times, is of the little boy little boy who uh, went into the throne room of his father. His father was holding this council of all of his advisors and these noblemen and these high-ranking ministers. He, after all, was the king. And it's said that in that throne room, suddenly there was this clatter and this bang, and all eyes turned to the entrance of that room. And one of the guards holding that door tried to stop a little boy who was running in to break up this meeting. And it said that the guard said these words. He said, young man, what are you doing? You are disturbing the counsel of the king. To which the little boy said these words with a slight laughter in his voice. He said, oh, to you, he's the king. To me, that's my dad. Like that's the access that we have in prayer. <clears throat> Do you know that most studies will indicate that this week, and I bet this is true in our church, that four out of five Christians have prayed at some point this week? That's good news, isn't it? 
You know the average length of those prayers? Just makes your heart sink. One minute. That although four out of five Christians prayed in the last seven days, most Christians didn't pray beyond one minute. I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is. And I want to show us this blueprint of Solomon's prayer quickly, the difference between praying a prayer simply to God and praying a prayer that draws God's attention. Three things I'll write in your notes quickly. First off, Solomon starts with praise. He starts with praise. Look at verse 6. He says, you've shown your great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David, because he walked with you in faithfulness and righteousness and integrity. And you've continued this great and faithful love for him by giving his son a throne or his son to sit on this throne as it is today. Notice something important about that one verse. Solomon's praising God. Before he makes any request, Solomon starts with prayer or with praise. So many things he could have asked for, but he starts by praising God. He says, God, you took an unlikely shepherd named David and you made him king. And now you're continuing that love and that faithfulness to a next generation. I mean, in your Bible, in verse 6, I'd underline that word continued. God promised David in 2 Samuel 7, verse 12, that someday he'd have a descendant that would sit on his throne. And who was that descendant? It was Solomon. So Solomon's presence on the throne was God's faithfulness to Israel. Now notice this. This is an important distinction. When Solomon prays this prayer, he's not reminding God that he was faithful. You know, you don't have to do that. God's not sitting in heaven going, totally forgot that I did that. Thanks, Solomon. When we pray prayers of God, we're reminding our own hearts that our God is faithful. That in the overwhelming times that our God has always been faithful to us. Friends, don't get in this habit of always asking God for something. Let's make sure we get in the habit of praising God for what he's already done for us on a regular basis. One of the most convicting things for me this past week as I've begun to try to realign my prayers is that if the only prayers I ever offered God were prayers of praise, I'd lose my voice before I could stop praying. Losing my voice right now, if you can't tell. Need a drink of water. Goodness gracious. You shouldn't preach when you got a frog in your throat. We gotta praise God for more than just our food. We should praise Him for that. Let's praise Him for more than just our day. Let's praise Him that He's a faithful God, that He's been faithful in the past, that He has an unchanging character, that His mercy stands firm, His grace was extended to us, His justice and His kindness are extended to you and me. We could praise him for Jesus, Romans 5, 8. What's that verse say? That while we were sinners, Jesus died for you. You know, that's a prayer of praise that you're never gonna stop offering through all of eternity. My gosh, don't get over Jesus. Solomon starts not with God give me, he starts with God thank you. You wanna catch God's attention in your prayer life this week? Start with thank you. Don't start with God give me. Point number two, Solomon states his problem. Solomon states his problem. Look at verses 7 and 8. He says, Lord, my God, you've you've made me now your servant king in my father David's place. Yet I'm just a youth. I don't have any experience in leadership. And your servant is among your people. You've chosen people too many to be numbered or counted. Now notice here in, in that verse, Solomon was not just expressing a problem based on his age or competency. He did need help with those things. 
but rather he's making the acknowledgement that, God, if I'm going to lead Israel, I need you. I don't need what you can offer me. I need you. I'm in a role that overwhelms me, so I need you. You've put me over a people who are too numerous to count, verse 8. I need you. And I love this because even in stating his problem, Solomon acknowledges God's faithfulness again. You guys remember in Genesis 15, verse 5, that God made a promise to a man named Abraham, the father of Israel? Here's what he said, Genesis 15, verse 5. He said, God took Abraham outside and said, look, look at the sky and count the stars. You ever done that before? It's overwhelming. He says, if you're even able to count them. I love the fact that God tells Abraham, look up, try. I already know how many are there. That's the God we serve. Then he says this, then God said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. Solomon is repeating that. Israel is too many to count, but you've called me to lead them. I'm inadequate to do it, Solomon says, but you're allowing me in this role, and I don't want to take it lightly. Here's a little side note for us. I'd write this in your notebook. This is important. Don't rely on your own self-sufficiency to get through this life. Do not rely on your own self-sufficiency to get through this life because, (laughs) this is Aaron just in his journal. You ready for this? No matter how awesome you may be or think you are, you ready? You're not. I'm not. We need Jesus to get through this life. I met Pastor Matt Chan, I've quoted this a billion times in the last four years. He said this, my favorite quote of a pastor probably ever. He said, God is awesome. He doesn't need you to be awesome. He's got it covered. He's awesome. Don't rely on your own self-sufficiency. Too often, I pray when I can't handle a problem rather than praying before there is a problem. Do you see the difference? Solomon says, Lord, I am inadequate and I need you. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said this. This This is enlightening for us. He said, did you know that pretty much everything in this world is out of your control? You ever realize how much in control we think we are? Yet nothing's in our control. Get in your car, drive home. You think you're in control of that car? All you need is one person across the street to turn their wheel just a little too much. You'll realize how out of control you really are. You, every night, when you lay your head down to go to sleep, your body, you are completely unconscious to the world. Yet we think we're in control because we have alarm systems and firearms and all this crazy stuff in our health. I'm here to tell you this morning, You are not as in control as you think you are. And if it wasn't for the sovereign grace of God over your life, man, it'd be pretty wild out there. Jesus is in control. That's the truth that we need to see in this verse. We want to draw God's ear. We want to catch God's attention. Let's realize that our life is really out of our hands and we need him. Praise problem. Third one is this. Solomon finally makes his petition. He finally makes his petition. Verse 9, he says, Give your servant a receptive heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who's able to judge this people of yours? So this is where Solomon, those famous verses, maybe you're familiar with, makes the petition for wisdom. He asks God in this verse for a receptive heart. Your Bible might say a discerning heart or an obedient heart. They all mean the same thing. The literal meaning in the Hebrews, Solomon says, God, give me a hearing heart. Man, I'd write that down. I love that. Give me a hearing heart. God, I want the ability to hear your people and to hear from you. And not only to hear from you, but to do what you say. What's the lesson for us in that verse right there as we make petitions to God? God's teaching me this. 
When God answers, don't question it, don't rationalize it, obey it. If God tells you something, don't question it, don't rationalize it, simply obey it. When God speaks, we move. That's what we're called to do as his children. Typically when I pray, and this might be familiar with you, typically when I pray, I always start by asking God for something. But this week, I'm I'm challenged again as we read 1 Kings 3. Let's start with praising. Start with acknowledging God's faithfulness and goodness goodness to us. Acknowledging our desperate need for Him. Why? Because that's how we start to align ourselves with God. It's where we align our hearts and our minds with His heart and His mind. And when our hearts begin to align with the God of the universe, it changes what we ask for from Him. I want to close with a story that I read Man, probably eight years ago. And this story, when I think of prayer, grips my heart. The story goes like this. It says that a man asked a local pastor to come and pray with her father at the hospital. And when the pastor arrived, he found this older gentleman lying in a bed. His head was propped up with two pillows, but he noticed something unique that next to his hospital bed was an empty chair intentionally placed right up against his bed. And so the pastor made the assumption as he walked into the room, he says, oh, I I guess you were expecting me to be here. And the old man says, actually, no, who are you? And the pastor says, well, I'm, I'm the new associate pastor at your local church. I've only been here a few days. So I figured when I saw the empty chair next to your bed that you knew I was going to show up and The old bedridden man said, oh, yeah, the chair. Um, He said, Pastor, go ahead and close the door for a second. There's something I want to share with you. So this young pastor, rather puzzled, he walked over to the door. He closed it. He walked back over to the man's bedside, and he said, uh, the old man said, I've never told anybody this, not even my daughter who asked you to come and visit me, but all my life I've struggled with praying. And he said, you know, I always used to hear the pastor at our church who would always tell us that we, we need to pray. But he said, honestly, Pastor, every time he talked about it, and he said, I, I knew all the stuff, but he said, in practical application, those lessons just always flew straight over my head, and I could never really pray the way that I wanted to. And he said, honestly, I abandoned any attempt to prayer. He said, until one day, about four or five years ago, my best friend said this to me. He said, you know, buddy, he said, prayer is really a simple act. He said, it's really just having a conversation with Jesus. He said, don't overcomplicate it. You're just talking to Jesus. And he said, my friend told me to do this. He said, every time that you want to pray, sit down in a chair, sit down on your bedside or lay in your bed. And he said, just go find an empty chair and place it next to you. And he said, in faith, just pretend that Jesus is there. And he said, now, I know this sounds really weird, Pastor, but he said, my friend reminded me that Jesus told us in Matthew 28 that he would be with us always. And so I should just speak to Jesus like he's seated in that chair. And he said, you know, I started doing that four or five years ago. And what started as just a few minutes a day talking to Jesus sitting in that chair right across from me actually has turned into me talking to Jesus a couple hours a day and just picturing him sitting in that chair with me. He said, now, please, the reason I had you close the door is I don't want anybody to know that. He said, if you tell my daughter, she's going to think I've lost my mind and she's going to put me in the funny house 
Please don't tell her about this simple act. The story goes that that pastor was deeply moved by this man's story and that chair that he always had next to his bed. So he went back to the office. He began doing the work that he had ahead of him. He said two nights later, that old man's daughter called him up again. And she said, hey, pastor, daddy passed away today. I just wanted to let you know. And the pastor asked this simple question. What did he seem to die in peace? Was he doing okay? She said, yeah, I went to visit him earlier this afternoon about 2 o'clock. He called me to his bedside, told me a couple corny jokes, kissed me on the cheek. She said, then when I went off to the grocery store, and when I got back about an hour later, I found him there, and he had passed away. She said, but there was something strange. She said, in fact, I'm just going to tell you, Pastor, it seemed a little bit weird. And the pastor said, what's that? She said, well, just before my daddy died, she said he must have pulled a chair over next to his bed. She said, because when I found him, his head was rested on that chair next to his bedside. That's prayer. Access to a king who wants to talk to us, who wants to hear us, who wants our hearts in tune with his. Do we pray those kind of prayers? I hope that's helpful for you today. Let me pray for us. God, we love you. Jesus, we're so thankful for your word and for the calling that you have on our lives as your children. God, to love and to serve you. God, I pray that even a simple message on praise, problem, and petition, Lord, just the simple blueprint of prayer that we see patterned throughout the scriptures, God, they would invoke something deep in our hearts. God, invoke a desire in our hearts to want to commune with the God of the universe. God, we thank you that we have that access through Jesus. And I pray if there's anyone here that is uncertain about their relationship with Jesus, that in this quiet moment, God, that they would admit that they're a sinner and that their only hope is a Savior named Jesus Christ who died in their place across paying a sin debt that they could not pay on their own. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray these things. Amen.